Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin Show, episode 139, coming at you from the Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host producer Eric Fisher, the Big E. Joining us this week, we've got Sean Klosterman, my member of the Highway 22 crew. Sean, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you? Fantastic. And in our big announcement, our newest full-time member of the Root for Wisconsin program, Programming. We're the podcast network now because we have a, a second show, technically. Everybody, you've seen him before. You've heard him before. It's Dylan Shirt. Dylan, welcome back to the show. It's been a few weeks. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. How are you guys? Fantastic. Glad to have you here. Glad to officially announce you as part of the team. And I can say, yeah, Sean, Sean, Justin, Ramsey, probably happy too because it means a little less impact on their wallets. So even better. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So... Glad to have you officially part of the team. It's going to be a great run here for at least the next year. So you're con- you're now contractually obligated for the next year. Yeah. And Sean I can tell you that's bonus though, huh? Well, it is a little late in the year for that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Maybe next year. <laughs> Maybe. Well, you, you get the signing bonus at the wedding. Ah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. This is news to me. Someone's <laughs> got to inform me of this, but. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to relook at these contracts that we don't have. <laughs> anyway, so pretty a little bit of a different format this week. Uh, we are going to start off with what we always do here, and that is talking about our friends over at Rager and Pro Wrestling, RPW. Next event is February 10th at the Watering Hole in Green Bay. And tickets are available for that at Look Sharp in the Fox Room Mall, also on the uh, RPW website, as well as at the venue of the watering hole itself. So be sure to get your tickets for that. They are going quickly. Potential final show at the watering hole for quite some time. So be sure to get there. And it is one of the bigger shows that they do. So you're not going to want to miss it. Uh, also our friends over at RaiseEnergyRepSports.com, code ROOT4, R-O-O-T, number four, which gets you 15% off of any order from RaiseEnergy and RepSports.com. With that in mind, this is where we're going to get a little different. Usually, this is where we would do our what we had rooted for, as well as our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week segment. But as we do every year at the quote-unquote last episode of the year for the season, because it's our close story anniversary, we're doing our award show. So we basically have our best of from the last year, and that is going to take place to this. Before we do that, though, I do want a quick tease. Uh, we are going to do a quick Wisconsin Web Story of the Week, and that just talking about some of the favorite Christmas entertainments for this time of year. And in a recent study and survey, uh, two different groups announced the top Christmas song and Christmas movie of each state. And for Wisconsin, I'm going to let you guys take a guess at what you think it is. Christmas Vacation? I don't know. For the song? Oh, for the movie. Oh, okay. What do you got for the song? Frosty. (laughs) Dylan? Yeah, I got nothing. Um, (laughs) Old Reliable, um, Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey. So Mariah Carey, I will say, as I'm trying to pull up the Wisconsin results here. Uh, yeah, I, I don't Mariah know. Carey is known to make $2.5 million in royalties from that every year. 
Yeah, it's the number one song in 10 states. But is it number one in Wisconsin? So we're about to find out. So bear with me. The number one song in the state of Wisconsin is a Holly Jolly Christmas. Mm. So Never would really guess that. No. You had, you had it going. And then for movies, Dylan or Sean, you said Christmas Vacation. Yeah. Dylan, did you want to venture a guess on this? Die Hard. <laughs> that was not even a Christmas movie. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, it, Die Hard actually is second in the state oh. of Wisconsin, which is bullshit. I'll, I'll be the first to say it's bullshit. <laughs> but number one in the state of Wisconsin is Home Alone. So take that for what you will. Uh, top five, Home Alone, Die Hard, uh, Christmas Vacation, A Christmas Story, and It's a Wonderful Life. Hmm. One of the old staples. So it's a terrible movie. Which one? <laughs> Wonderful Life. Oh, that's a terrible take. That might be the worst take we've ever had on this show. No, you've had some pretty bad ones. It's a classic. You cannot have Horrible. Christmas without It's a Wonderful Life. Horrible movie. All right. Anyway, Sean, <laughs> I'm going to go right past that because I can't. So we get into... It's supposed to be a happy show. No arguing right now. <laughs> So we get into our award show, and basically how this is going to work, we're all going to mention a show or a, a nominee for the category. We're going to debate it very quickly, and if we can't come to a consensus, you know, we maybe have a co-winner. Otherwise, if we come to a consensus, we'll go with that. So we have four awards to give out this year, and we're going to work our way up from kind of the lower ones to the highest one, kind of like the Oscars and the Tonys and the Academy, you know, all, all of them. So we're going to start with our newcomer of the year. Now, for this category, um, it can be a rookie. It can be someone who was recently acquired by one of the teams or signed by a team. However you want to go with this, you can go with it. So newcomer of the year, I'm going to lead off with who looks the least prepared. Looks like Sean. I'm going to go um, William Contreras. That's going to be my newcomer of the year for the Milwaukee Brewers. Just because the guy was able to put together a really great season, and it was he was really slept on all year, but put together a really solid season for the Brewers. Took home the silver slugger for the the catcher position as well in the National League. Uh, got MVP votes. I believe he finished in the top ten in MVP votes for the National League. You know, I'll, I'm going to jump in here because I was up until about an hour and change ago, I was also leaning William Contreras. That was going to be my nominee. Instead, I am going to go with my nominee. I'm I'm going to give my official vote to William Contreras. So, Dylan, you're going to have to make a hell of a case probably <laughs> to win. Okay. But I am, I am going to say William Contreras was going to be my nominee for the same stuff Sean said. Until my official nominee, which is going to be head coach of the Green Bay Men or Phoenix men's basketball team, Sundance Wicks. Um, and this is purely on recency bias. I just got actually got them doing the coaches show for UW Green Bay uh, men and women's basketball. And you just listen to the guy and you get super hyped up by him. You believe in everything he says, every word he says you believe and buy into and just gives you energy and excitement about this program that I would argue has not been here since the 2016 season where they went to the NCAA tournament, even or 20, 20, yeah, 2016 season. Um, even when they had Coach Link Darner, where they were going, you know, they were top four team in the Horizon League every year. Uh, he was getting contract extensions. All of that said, 
it wasn't the same. And even that, I don't know if you remember this, Dylan, but when we were, because we were in college when that tournament team was, mm-hmm. and even the men's team didn't have the same buzz that the women's did. And it is no. still different. I mean, the women's team just always has that buzz around them. But for the mm-hmm. first time, like, I even noticed this last week after the UIC win, that that men's team is getting a lot of love in a lot of different places that I don't think it has gotten in. I'd even probably go back to the Brian Wardle days of Keeper Sykes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, very excited by that. And then even tonight, I, and I didn't know this, um, but he had said tonight on the coaches show, but his goal, he wrote on a note card when he first got hired, six wins by Christmas, which should they win, which I'm going to say betting-wise, they will be favored. They do have a, a non-traditional game against MSOE, uh, Milwaukee School of Engineering, on Thursday night. Should they win that game, they will achieve their goal of six wins by Christmas. So hats off to him in the program. That's my newcomer of the year. What do you got for us, Dylan? Uh, I'm going Damian Lillard. I think that's a that's a pretty solid solid pick. Um, you know, averaging twenty six points, eight um, so excuse me, eight assists. Is he as explosive as he was in Portland? Maybe not, but this is also the first time he's playing with uh, someone on his team that is the same or higher caliber than him. Um, I think he is fulfilling his expectations that the fan base and the staff and the other members of the Bucks had of him. Um, just, just the buzz he's created around this team. You haven't seen it since the finals, you know, the 2021 championship, obviously that's recent, but just, just a new buzz this year with him. And I think, I think he's invigorated Milwaukee Bucks basketball. All right, so we have our three nominees. I'm with the nominees. I'm going to ask Sean, what is your pick? Are you going to stay with your pick, or are you going to go with one of the other guys? You know what? I'm. I'll go Damian Lillard. All right. All right. Arguments. All right. I guess I'm outnumbered. (laughs) I I was going to stay with William Contreras. Um, So two to one, Damian Lillard, our official newcomer of the year to Wisconsin sports. Which, yeah, that that's a very, very easy one. Dylan's absolutely right. He's been nothing but great for the city of Milwaukee and the Bucks franchise. Which leads us to our next award because this is I'm going to continue this year. The moment of the year, and this is actually why I went away from Damian Lillard as the newcomer of the year because I think the moment of the year is when the Bucks announced or when Adrian Wojnarowski uh, announced that that he had been acquired from Portland uh, was that moment. So that was my moment, just the instant buzz, the instant internet um, sensation with it. So that is what I have as my moment of the year, is just the Bucks acquiring him and everything that's come from that with that. I do have to add, now that she's in the room, uh, Shauna just got home from her work for the evening and the tutoring session. Her moment of the year is Aaron Rodgers getting traded from the Packers. So, Shauna, that is that is it's a bad take, but you get mentioned here. Yeah, I saw bad take. nodding. Dylan bad was shaking take. his head. Bad take. 
<laughs> Sean, what do you got for us on this one? I'm I'm going with Shauna. That was exactly my moment of the year. Or just because I was I was just happy that he was gone. Not gonna lie. <laughs> Boo. I can see I can see before I get into mine, I can see that being the moment of the year just because of the electricity behind the actual moment. Mm. Whether you liked it or you didn't like it, that moment had a massive impact on Wisconsin. Right. And all of the sports fans. Right. Um, that being said, I am agreeing with Fish, and my moment of the year is also Damian Lillard. Um, Discluded or not even counting his play, the, the electricity that has been invigorated in Milwaukee Bucks basketball and the fandom ever since he was announced to be on our roster. I can't think of I can't think of a player that we've signed recently even close to this caliber. You know, it's funny how you you know you compare these two moments. I mean very polarizing moves right. and very like opposite ends of the spectrum, you know, with, with Aaron Rodgers getting traded and um, you know, the franchise deciding to go in the, the direction of Jordan Love and slash, mm-hmm. you know, kind of rebuilding and refiguring itself out. Very polarizing, a lot of buzz, like you said, a lot of electricity, a lot of talk around it. Um, and for for better or worse, it's it's always kind of had, you know, even the positive side of it is still, I would say, kind of negative, right? In the sense that, you know, we don't know what Jordan Love's going to be. We still, I still don't know if we 100% know what he's going to be. But, it, you know, even the best of it was, okay, you know, we're going to acknowledge the success that the guy had. What's bittersweet at best, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas the Dame Lillard acquisition has been nothing but hype, nothing but love. Yes, mm-hmm. there's been a couple games here and there where it's like we're paying this guy this. We went and sold out Drew Holiday and to a lesser extent Grace Noun for this. But almost every time that happens, the next two games are way up here. You know, mm-hmm. the total, you know, making those people be very, very quiet. Um, so for that reason, I'm, I'm going to go with my own vote and Dylan's vote. And Dylan, are you staying with yours as well? I mean, it's tough because I didn't, I didn't even really think of the Aaron Rodgers trade as a, a moment because I was trying to stay positive. I, well, I guess that's subjective because I wasn't real pleased with Aaron Rodgers leaving, but that's just my own personal take. Um, but that was that was a monumental moment in Green Bay. Mm-hmm. sports so i i think ultimately i'm going to stick with damian lillard but i cannot discredit what that aaron Rodgers trade did for wisconsin i will agree with that so what so why don't we just do a cold coal winners both moments i don't want to i i cannot i cannot give that moment the popularity <laughs> of an award win why not? Well, technically, it was two to two. Yeah, it's two to two, so it's cold. If you're counting, she's Shauna, not even on the show not, right now. No, then it doesn't count. Then it's two to one. She she talked, so she was on the show. She's not here. She's not here to vote. <laughs> she's not. She made a nomination, but she did not vote. She did vote. Shawna, you got to vote. I'm voting. 
What am I voting for? Moment of the year. Okay. Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard being acquired by the Bucks, and all the hype that came with that. Okay, keep going. Or Aaron Rodgers getting traded. That one. Two two. Ha. Huh. I guess it's tie. I guess we have a co. It's a tie. <laughs> we have a co. Which I think that's okay because they were the two biggest moments in right. Wisconsin sports recently, other than you know the Bucks, the Bucks most recent championship, but. You, you you can't tell me that that they're not both polarized ones for the year. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And I I would think I was going with Dylan. It's a very I was going more for the positive element, but I can see, I can concede that it was a very impactful. Well, polarizing. We you and I may not think it's positive, but there's a large portion, probably over fifty percent of the Packers fan base thinks it is positive. I don't even think it's not positive. I you know I can see. That it, it was probably time for it to happen. Whether or not yeah. I think it should have even been there in the first place is a different mm-hmm. discussion. But I can I can see how we got to where we had to get. Right. Right. All right. Moving on to our next award, we have the probably my favorite one. And it's called the Kevin King Dumpster Fire of the Year. Now, this is what we've called. <laughs> We've had this going for a few years now. It has evolved from the Kevin King. Or, you know, we had the Tyler here in the other week, but we need something that just showed how pissed off we can get and how bad something can be that just doesn't warrant a noogie. And Kevin King's 2021 performance in the uh, NFC Championship game did nothing but inspire this award. So... That is the namesake, and it has lived on because, quite frankly, I'm not sure we've had anything to dethrone it, right. possibly till this year. So <laughs> we may have a co-name on this award because I have a feeling this is going to be a unanimous award without I... knowing where you guys are where you guys are officially voting. But with that in mind, Dylan, I'm going to let you lead this one off. <laughs> yeah, um, unsurprisingly. My dumpster fire of the year nominee is going to be the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator, Joe Barry. (laughs) Um, And to an extension of that, Matt LaFleur, after today. Because I was going to go hard on Joe Barry until Matt LaFleur's comments today uh, when he had an opportunity to somewhat remedy the situation and instead has committed to Joe Barry being the defensive coordinator for the remainder of the year. So I'm still giving it to Joe Barry, but Matt LaFleur is now also on the hot seat. I can agree with that in large. Sean, what do you got for us on this one? I I was thinking the same thing, Dylan. Dylan, is it Joe Barry? Yeah, it's got to be, right? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing else that comes close. No, you're right. Like there's there's been a lot of noogie worthy things in the state of Wisconsin mm-hmm. and in sports as a whole. But this absolutely, by and large, takes the cake as the worst possible upsetting pissed off whatever in the state of Wisconsin sports. Be- it's just it's constantly ridiculous. I will say I totally get where a lot of people are coming from on the Matt LaFleur side of this. I 
would caveat that and it's something he didn't say today but I was asked this yesterday because I was very, you know, as most Packer fans were on the internet yesterday, very pissed off during that Packer-Bucks game where Baker Mayfield, who I loved him in college, I loved him in Cleveland. The dude is not dangerous. The the dude is not perfect passer rating. That's, I mean, the guy's a gunslinger. He is known for throwing an interception or two in costly moments. You let him have a perfect passer rating on your home field in December while you're in a playoff hunt. Simply for the fact the first that person only perfect passer, mm-hmm. as a as an opponent, as an opponent, oh, right? Yes, yes. Aaron Rodgers is the only other one he did it against the Raiders, I believe, in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. Um, so the second one ever, the first Packer opponent to do so, and it is just utterly absurd. The just even the situational football that they're playing where they're playing, you know, it's third and four, and it feels like it's third and inches with the tush push coming. It's it's not even close to, like, stoppable. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think, I, I am pretty sure, I'm going to check the stats on this, but I feel like yesterday we stopped them on third down twice, I think, all game. And once was a field goal. The other, I believe... They got on a fourth and whatever. Yeah. But it's it is beyond baffling. It is beyond upsetting. The only caveat and the only defense I have of Matt LaFleur's decision is that I don't think he believes that there's anybody else on this coaching staff maybe that could fill in for three games. Because I was looking at I could fill in for three games. Well, sure. I but you know what I'm saying? Like I, I looked at because somebody had posed the question, okay, if you're going to fire Joe Barry, who's it going to be? You know, like that's become some sort of gotcha to the Joe Barry defenders, right, yeah. which is laughable at best. Um, <coughs> but all in all, just utterly awful, really. Seven for 11 was Tampa Bay's third down efficiency. One for one. That seems, I can think of the one, they go for the field goal twice. They didn't punt. Did they? Yeah, they they had one really long one, didn't they? Oh, that's right. Towards the end of the game, you're right. Like a sixty yarder. You're right. Yep. I, okay. Yes, you are correct. But I feel like they were seven for seven, like the first quarter, or six for seven, in the first half. Um, sure felt like that. Yeah. No, I, I got nothing beyond that. It, like I said, it just. All sorts of frustrating. Uh, like I said, to the point where I'm almost forgiving Kevin King. Because it almost seems like this might have been Joe Barry's fault. Now, that's not entirely true because, you know, Kevin King played under my pet and sucked then too. <laughs> so he's not totally off the hook. But there is some degree where he gets a little bit off the hook where this might become the Kevin King, Joe Barry dumpster fire of the year. Right. So that was a that was a pretty easy one, um, which leads us to our fourth and final award, which is the MVP, the Rupert Wisconsin MVP. Sean is doing Christmas presents right now, so I had to toss. <laughs> yeah, we were a little confused there. 
<laughs> Which n- nobody listening to the podcast version of this is going to understand that. I don't know if we're going to do the video or not. So if we don't do the video, <laughs> the look on these guys' faces was absolutely absurd. It was it was awesome. But if I don't release we'll the video, um, just know that that happened. If I do release the video, uh, you're going to see me passing a Hobby Lobby bag to Sean, who's sitting in the corner. So um, anyway, Root for Wisconsin MVP. Um, I'm very curious because I'm not even sure I 100 know where I'm going with this yet on my nominee. So, Dylan, I'm going to let you lead this off because I know you have one. I do have one, and it's going to be a relatively interesting one because it's not almost not at all performance based. And my nominee is Jordan Love. Uh, you, you and I were talking about this a little earlier today. Obviously, his his performances have left at times have left quite a bit to be desired. Um, he showed glimpses of, of potential greatness, um, glimpses of regressing. But the thing that has been consistent with him is his attitude and his pride in wearing, you know, this green and gold. And he, he stepped into one of the most difficult situations that a, a young quarterback possibly can in following arguably the greatest hacker ever. Um, he had fans, he had critics in his head for months leading up to the season. He still got them in his head, and he still is doing nothing but being humble, being disciplined, doing his best. And in a down year, in a rebuilding year like we're having, that kind of that kind of guy is – you just can't put a value on him. So – that's why I'm going Jordan Love. That's my nominee. That's a good one. And I, when you had said it to me today, it was kind of one of those where it definitely needs to be talked about. I wasn't sure I would make that nomination on my end, but I can definitely appreciate it and agree with a lot of that sentiment. Mm-hmm. Because at least I will say the one thing Jordan Love kind of has going for him is the amount of people who wanted him to become the starting quarterback – because there was a pretty heavy swing that way. Mm-hmm. But because like when Aaron Rodgers took over, I mean, there was such a love for Brett Favre. Or it was so polarizing. But even then, I mean, you're coming off a guy who two seasons ago won, or two and three seasons ago won basically back-to-back MVPs. So right. he, it's not like, I think, yeah, Brett Favre had a good year that last year in Green Bay before he retired. But, like, the writing was kind of on the wall the years before that, right? Like, we can all kind of mm-hmm. agree with that, where, yes, the injury happens, so it becomes a little bit easier to swallow. But you also never know if that happens if he doesn't, get, you know, if he's playing here. Or right. Whatever the situation is. So, I'll agree with that. Sean, what do you got for us on this one? You know what? I was thinking Jordan Love, too. Just for a lot of the same reasons that Dylan was going with. Just for him just being able to take take over and just stay humble and just not let the critics get to him. Because, I mean, he, he struggled at the beginning of the season and he's he turned it around and he's, he's kind of leveled off again here. But mm-hmm. I think he's right where you kind of need him to be right at this time. So that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I, just to have something different here, I'm I'm going to go Giannis just for the sheer reason that 
The dude is still playing at probably the highest level of anybody in the state. I would argue he's still probably doing a lot more in terms of, I mean, that's so much for charity that doesn't really get talked about and stuff like that. Um, it's it's night and day different, you know, situations for love versus versus Giannis. So I, I you know, I'm probably going to give my vote surprisingly to to Jordan Love just based on the conversation. Um, but I think he, you have to mention Giannis for the situation, the things he does on a national scale, on on the court, off the court, all the mm-hmm. you know the funny stuff. I mean, the dude's hilarious too. Um, even coming I think down, a lot of the same. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say even coming down and chasing a ball to a locker room. Mm-hmm. But go ahead, Dylan. I think a lot of the same personality things that I said about love also translate over to Giannis because he is like he's truly proud to be in a Milwaukee Bucks jersey, and you know he, he he's been able to pull in a big time like the biggest free agent that. Milwaukee has signed in my Ever? recent memory. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I think that's a solid nomination. Yeah, and, and so actually, just coincidentally, I saw that I believe on this date about ten years ago, or pretty close to this date, ten years ago, is when he made his first career start. <laughs> um, which again is when you. I remember when the Bucks drafted him. I was I was so pissed. Like I'll, I'll be honest, <laughs> I was. I was on the wrong side of that just because it didn't make sense for where the Bucks were as a franchise. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're taking a guy, you're a top 10 draft pick and you're taking a guy that's going to be a project when I believe at the time they were only like a year or two away from their most recent playoff appearance after they had acquired like Monta Ellis. And you had, ju- I believe mm-hmm. you had just gotten Greg Monroe around that time. Um, so yeah, actually, it was today. It was today, 12-18-2013. Adrian Wojnarowski, Milwaukee's close to moving rookie phenom Giannis Antetokounmpo into starting lineup. League sources tell Yahoo Bucks host next tonight. So with that in mind for 10 years, I don't even remember this guy's first name. It was Coach Drew. Larry Drew? That's what I'm thinking. I think that's what that sounds right but that's that's where the bucks were i mean to that point they had made two playoff appearances had not won a playoff series since the 2001 playoffs where they ultimately ended up getting beat by the 76ers in the eastern conference finals who then got bitched up at the lakers but just where that franchise has come to you know, becoming a team that most of the time you don't have to watch until March or April now. Like, if you watch, great. But if you don't, mm-hmm. no one's going to fault you. In 10 right. years, you've gotten a championship. You've gotten multiple all-stars, which I don't think the Bucks really had before Giannis since Michael Red, if I'm not mistaken. So just, just that progression... Of where this Bucks franchise is from Milwaukee, which no one no one wants to come to Milwaukee as a whole right. and play here. You know, until now. Right. Well, until now. And to where they're annually competing for the one seed or the two seed and 
you know, mm-hmm. expected to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, bare minimum. Uh, so it's nothing They're short a perennial of, championship threat. Exactly. Um, you know, you can at least say about the Packers that the Packers have kind of had that for the better part of 30 years now. Um, mm-hmm. The Brewers haven't really quite gotten fully over that hump, but have been solid for the last, you can really even say 15 years at this point. Since back to 08, you can say that they've been a playoff threat and potential as like an, as a dark horse every single year. Mm-hmm. And really haven't gone. I mean, yeah, they had some lean years from like 2015 and 2016, but kind of a two-year dump off versus the Bucks were a dump off until even 2015, probably. We start becoming kind of a little bit of a threat. So with that in mind, it's time to officially vote here. And I'm assuming both of you guys are going to keep your own vote. I can confidently, I can agree with that. So with that in mind, Dylan, it is time for us to leave you here. And Sean and I will pick up a couple pieces. But any parting thoughts as the newest member of the Route for Wisconsin programming? I'm happy to be here. It's going to be a blast. And uh, there's not another show by the time the holidays are wrapped up. I hope everybody has a nice holiday season. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the beer. Enjoy the time with family. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> stay happy stay safe stay well and uh, i'll catch you guys later all right yes just i'll let dylan drop off here but this is going to be our last show in 2023 um uh, so with that in mind before we wrap up here i'm going to add in here just while i have boys on the line merry christmas happy hanukkah happy kwan do you say happy kwanzaa mm-hmm. happy kwanzaa um sure merry ramadan uh happy festivus um, Merry Solstice, anything that you believe or celebrate, whatever it is in this winter season, enjoy the time with friends, family, um, food and, and beer, like Dylan said. So with that in mind, Dylan, great to have you on the team officially and great to have you here for the episode. And Sean and I will take it from here. All right. I'll see you guys later. See you. See Bye. All right. So now it's just me and Sean here. Um, we do have some time here to take a little bit of a deeper dive into some of the happenings for the week because that actually went a lot quicker than I thought it would. So um, I'm pretty proud of that. I, I'm going to be honest. I'm very <laughs> proud of that. So with Even that in mind. Interruptions. I know. I, I had to pass a bag. Right. <laughs> All right. So we did a pretty, I'd say a pretty deep dive in the box. Really nothing to talk about since uh, Thursday. Because that was, I mean, that's kind of the nature of the holiday season here and why we're only doing this episode before the end of the year is that schedules get busy. And so we went last Thursday and now it's Monday. The NFL is still in week 15. So not really a whole lot to update. Bucks did get two wins over the weekend, back-to-back games, back-to-back impressive performances by uh, Giannis and Damian Lillard. I, we just talked about the guy twice. I don't know. It's been a long day. Sean, I don't know if you know this or not. So I, I was telling Dylan, and I don't know if I told our listeners, I had to do the, the Green Bay Phoenix Coaches Show today. And I truly was not aware it was happening until about 5 o'clock tonight. There was what we call a lack of communication. 
Um, you know, you, you ever listen to the song uh, Civil War by Guns N' Roses? It starts off with a, what we got here is failure to communicate. Yeah, that, that's exactly what happened. Um, I had, I'm such an, I was at the library and it stopped to check my phone and I flipped on Facebook and I'm like, oh shit, there's a culture shift tonight. That'd have been nice to know. So instead of starting this at about six o'clock, like I had planned on at 630, it came like 730. So that's what happens. Um, but yeah, so not a whole lot in the, the Bucks sphere. Uh, last week with Justin, we had talked pretty heavily on Green Bay men and women's basketball. Um, the women got Coach Borseth win 801. So it was a pretty lopsided win um, on Saturday over who the hell did they play? It was a pretty, I mean, it was a pretty big deal because it was something that they played. Oh, the St. Louis Billikens. Um, Last year, they won that game 73-70. to 70. This year, it was a total domination. They were up by 30 most of the game. Um, so, absolute blast covering them. Coach Borseth gets win 801. Uh, not counting, I believe, his Division three games count, but his junior college wins do not. Hmm. So, I he didn't know exactly how many JUCO wins he had, but it's it would probably put that even up there even more. Um. They did have a, another pregame ceremony for him and gave him a, a game ball for 801. Did not have to chase UIC down for it after the previous game. So shout out to UIC for not taking the home team ball uh, for the milestone accomplishment. Uh, with that, other side from that, uh, the men did go to Norman, Oklahoma in one of those uh, mid-major fundraisers, they're called unofficially. And got their shit kicked in by uh, the number 11 ranked team in the country. But for most of the first half, they did contend with them, which is really what you can kind of all you can ask for sometimes. I know coaches will say that, but it's very realistic expectation. So um, you stayed with them for probably the first 18 minutes or 17 minutes of the first half. Halftime got away from a little bit, and then, I mean, from there it was all Sooners, which that's what good teams do. Oklahoma's on one of the largest win streaks in the country. So that's just the nature of the game, you know? Right. But uh, beyond that, so that is kind of an update there. Uh, The Wisconsin Badgers men did, I believe, they've played since the last time we talked, which I believe was last Thursday as well. Maybe they haven't. Aren't they playing boarding? Um, they do play on the 22nd again. The men's team has not played since last Thursday, so uh, they will conclude their December schedule on the 22nd, so uh, this coming Friday against Chicago State. Holiday tournaments this year or no? Um, not for Christmas. Holiday tournaments have kind of gone more towards Thanksgiving Mm, um, time frame. So, no Christmas-type tournament or anything like that. The next game after uh, the 22nd, they do get a pretty long stretch off where they will play Iowa to start Big Ten play on January 2nd. So, pretty lengthy time in between, but probably exactly what the doctor needs and what the doctor would order for a 
a long, grueling Big Ten schedule coming up. Um, so very excited by that. Uh, Marquette did play last Thursday night as well when we were recording. Uh, went to the wire against St. Thomas of Minnesota. Uh, got that win 84-79. They are back in action tomorrow night against Providence and a four-and-a-half point favor on the road. So keeping an eye out there. Uh, the men and the Green Bay women, the women are back home tomorrow night for UW Parkside, which is a very odd. I was talking to my dad about this tonight. So talking about the polarity of Green Bay Phoenix basketball, the women almost always play a very tough non-conference schedule. And this is not a dig at Parkside. Um, Parkside is the only Division II team in the state of Wisconsin in the NCAA, but it still is, for lack of a better term, an inferior opponent. Not, teams not going to tell you that. Players aren't going to tell you that. Coaches aren't going to tell you that. I'm going to tell you that. It, it's an inferior opponent, um, which the Green Bay women really don't get. Uh, the timing of it is a little odd. Um, it's becoming a really big reality in college basketball that mid-majors really don't get the hard schedule games, especially as we get closer to conference season starting up for the bigger conferences. And you need a home game. I mean, that's you got to find a team that wants to come into Green Bay, and that's kind of one of those really weird things here where because Green Bay is good enough, I'm surprised teams don't want to, like these bigger schools don't want to. Because I would argue that losing at home for some of these bigger schools is a bigger deal than losing at Green Bay, which is one of the better college basketball crowds for women's basketball in the country. Having you know been a part of this team in some capacity, whether it be working for athletics or for the radio station that covers them, for the better part of 10 years now, they are one of the most traveled, one of the best fan bases in the country. You know, maybe just shy of Tennessee, South Carolina, and UConn, and Notre Dame. They're in that same echelon, though, in terms of fan bases. So I'm surprised in that capacity that teams don't want to come into Green Bay or do a home-and-home. Home because it is, you know, it is a good one. And if, you know, it's kind of one of those where, you know, if you do a home-and-home and, home and maybe you catch them sleeping one year, you beat the crap out of them. And it boosts your resume a little bit. But nevertheless, the Green Bay women will be playing Parkside this week. And then the men uh, do have their last pre-holiday game. And that is against, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the Milwaukee School of Engineering, MSOE. Um, a Division Three opponent from within the state of Wisconsin. Which again, you know, talk about a fundraiser game where Green Bay has to go get their shit pounded in by the Oklahoma Sooners, this is kind of the version to get the other way around. That way you can get, you know, you can get a non, or they call it a non-counter because it doesn't count for the opposing school for their standings or anything like that. But you can get a game like that in, you kind of get, you know, it's not a guaranteed win by any means. We've seen Division Three teams take down a number of, of schools, including a couple Power Fives this year. It's happened. But it is one of those things where you know, you kind of do hope to get a, a, a get-right game. And I think Coach Wicks is the first coach I've ever actually heard say that. Like, where he admits it. But it's also, like I said, it's the reality of mid-major college basketball where you kind of got to get a guys, the guys a win and make them say, hey, like, we're doing this pretty good. Um, 
he pointed out, and I, I, this is another kind of interesting thing he had talked about when we talk about perspective. Green Bay will go into this game, I believe, five and seven on the year. Um, yeah, five and seven on the year. Uh, four of those wins are against Division One schools. One of them was uh, Parkside, or excuse me, Stout earlier this year. And so you take them or you get them. But if I gave you, if I put on a piece of paper, Sean, seven and three, you think that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Now, with that in mind, University of South Dakota, which is getting some love for AP votes and whatnot, four of their seven wins are against D3 schools. So it's kind of one of those, because of the nature of the business and division, you know, mid-majors have to do it, it's just kind of, has to become acceptable, you know? Right. So that's state of college basketball. Um, beyond that, we've got Milwaukee Brewers who actually really haven't done anything since last time we talked. So it's kind of, I think it's kind of one of those no news is good news barring like a big trade. So I'm, I'm not mad about it. I'm just kind of, it's gotta be coming. Something's gotta be coming. Right. Coming. Some sort of trade has to be coming in. Either the Brewers buying in and surprising the whole world, or the one that we're probably all waiting for—that Corbin Burns trade. Right. Um, but I, I, I think it's going to be after all the free agents fall. Well, and interestingly enough, at the winter meetings, both GMs and reporters, and the Brewers for that matter, are saying, like, including uh, Matt Arnold, they're saying that Corbin Burns isn't going to be dealt. Which begs the question, if he's not going to be dealt and you're going to go into a season where he's going to be one of your guys, unless you're hoping for a hell of a rental haul, why are you not acquiring more talent to go all in then? Right. You know, it's you have enough of a farm system where if that's going to be the route you're going to go, it's time to start dealing on that end of it then. Mm-hmm. And or sign an extension. And that's that's the baffling part is none of that has happened. Do 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 you even think no matter what if they buy in are they even going to compete with the Dodgers and the Braves? In the National League, like when it comes time to play, right? That's tough. I mean, I want to say yes because if they you know depending on what pieces they would bring in, this is a solid not great roster right like as is right now um you still have william Contreras, who's pre-arbitration so you still have control of him for quite some time you do have to figure something out with willie adamas assuming you want to bring him back as one of your guys which the power numbers would indicate that you do technically if you get a good enough deal for him you do trade him also i mean right no i i wholeheartedly agree nature of the beast that way right um, as of right now, you technically don't have an MLB first baseman. Rowdy Tillis just signed with the uh, the Pirates, and Carlos Santana is still a free agent. So you do not actively have a MLB vet playing first base, which I think Carlos Santana is more likely to come back than not I, and I, play I, one, at least one more year. I think he's 38, 39 years old, and you do like a one-year, $3 million contract, something like that. Right. I think everybody will be pretty okay with that. I mean, the guy got a Gold Glove nominee. Yep. 
here in Milwaukee, which I don't think anybody accounted for. Um, but I mean, the guy was clutch, so I think we'll we'll take that. Uh, still a very loaded outfield, and that's probably the you know the interesting thing. You look at second, you've got Bryce Strang still under under wraps for quite some time. Third base, you can go Monasterio, you can go Tyler Black, who's kind of sitting in the wings waiting and. Potentially, you know, there's rumors that he could get another one of those big rookie contracts like Churio just got because he's also been, you know, pretty proven at the, the minor league level. Um, so he's kind of like, you know, what do the Brewers do? He was a very interesting non-call up last September. I think if it would have been under the original, you know, huge roster expansion in September, I think he would have. But now where it's kind of staggered and you have to kind of pick guys, you don't really get the option to do that. Uh, Owen Miller still hanging around as your, one of your utility guys. I want to stare, like I said. Um, and you start looking at that outfield. Like I said, it's a stacked outfield. You've got the two rookies in uh, Garrett Mitchell, Sal Fralick. Also, Joey Weimer hasn't gone anywhere, which I think you kind of have to look at, you know, seeing if one of those guys are going to attract a trade. Um, I don't know about you, Sean, but I am... I think uh, Joey Weimer is a lot more expendable than not of the three. You know, nothing against him. I'm, I'm a big fan of his, but if you're going to make a move, that might be the one to make. Right. Um, I think people, teams will buy in high on him. Uh, you do have Tyrone Taylor, I believe, is still under contract for at least another couple years yet. Uh, at least another year or two before being arbitrated in his final year of arbitration. And then you've got Christian Yelich, who you're tied to for, I believe, the next five years yet, which apparently there was some noise that the Blue Jays were calling on him. I don't think you make that deal. I think Christian Yelich kind of needs to stay, even though you have a very loaded outfield and a very big group of people is even with the younger talent kind of coming in i think you need a a veteran out there to kind of show them the way of it and at the very least kind of be a consistent bat where even if he's hitting like this year i think his average was 270 or something to that effect i think that speaks volumes of what you need out in the outfield as like an everyday type guy um or even most games i think he was second in the league in games this year so, I, you know, by and large, I'm okay with a lot of that. Right. Um, what say you, Sean? What, uh, what, I guess if you're Matt Arnold, if you had a day to be the GM, and within Milwaukee Brewer logic, <laughs> it's, we're not going to turn force trades on and unlimited budgets on like we would on the show. Why not? We know it's not going to happen. <laughs> huh? It's what the Dodgers did. Yeah, they pretty much, right? So, um, so what, what are you doing? If you, I'll even give you a week. I think you have you gotta... a week. You have a week. A a budget of I don't know. I'll give you thirty million. I, w- I would, I would have went out and signed, like a Sunny Gray. I I really feel like Trevor Bauer would do good for the Milwaukee Brewers. 
I feel like that's a guy that could be a sneaky add for a one-year prove-a-deal. Sure. Now that everything's done with him. Um, and then I think you got to go – you you either got to go get your power-hitting first baseman, something like that, and maybe a guy to play third. Like your – who do I – like, we, we need a guy like Aramis Ramirez was for us for those few years. Just a, a guy to be put behind Yelich and just have be, or have people be able to pitch to him a little bit more. Because I know they still don't pitch to him like they should. Even sure. But I think, I think that starting pitcher role is the biggest need right now, especially with Brandon Woodruff being out for the year. Well, he's not even on the team anymore. Oh, that's right. He's not even on the team anymore. That's right. So, and I, so, I, I don't know. Quite a few names still out there. Um, stop me when you hear one you like, okay? These are the mid-rotation options. Uh, Frankie Montas, uh, Hyun Jin Ryu, Michael Lorenzen, Sean Manea, Mike Clevenger, Alex Wood, James Paxton. I like the Alex Wood one. I like that lefty. Either Alex Wood or um, there was a guy two before him. Uh, Mike Lorenzen? Clevenger. Uh, I was right before him. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I like I, – I would maybe even look at Clevenger because you kind of have that lefty guy in Wade Miley who you already brought back. Um, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to have two guys. I think the Brewers were tied to Alex Wood towards the deadline last year already. Do we still have Eric Lauer, or did he walk to? I don't know. I don't <laughs> think so. Like, I don't think he's walked. I think he's still around. Oh, okay. Um. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say that, but I don't I don't know if what his contract status officially is. If he's been waived or. Gotcha. Gotcha. Whatever. Um. And then a position player. Would you go out and try to get? a guy like a Matt Chapman and spend, break the bank there, or would you kind of go more for, you know, uh, I think you make a trade rather than a free agent signing. Sure. I feel, I feel like you package, you package a couple guys together. I think you, cause do we still, who am I thinking of here? If it, it's not Keston here, cause he's, he is gone. No, I know him. <laughs> um, the third baseman from the start of the year. Brian Anderson? No, no, no. He had he had played all the positions. Second, second shortstop. He got hurt with a knee knee issue this year. Owen Miller? No, 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 no. Um, uh, I mean, I think those are the pretty the two big players to play a lot of third outside of Donaldson. Oh, I can't think of what his name is. Monasterio. I gotta look here. I'm really curious who you're trying to pull here because I I've listed a lot of these guys. No, I know I know you have. It was a guy like Colton Wong, but not Colton Wong. That's that sounds a little racist, Sean. No, I know, I know. <laughs> um, I'm I'm eagerly waiting for this. Yeah, I know, I know. I gotta find it. Luis Urias, but we don't have him anymore, I see. Yeah, that's correct. We traded him to Boston to the deadline. 
That's what I was thinking of. I forgot. What you know, saying. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I completely forgot he was a brewer. <laughs> I really did. I, I have completely forgotten about his time here. I could not for the life of me. Like, I didn't even think of his name. Like, I, I pulled up Brewer's stats, and uh, <laughs> I would have had no idea. You were going to pull out Orlando Arcia? I'd have been more likely to pull out Orlando Arcia than Luis Urias. I I love me some Wicco when he was here. Right. But, uh, yeah, I, that one completely went over my head. I You lost me. No, that's, that's what I was thinking. One home run on the year. Was aggressively average his whole time here. Right. Hit a buck ninety four for the season, including his time with Boston. Two home runs with the Red Sox, so they really got their value there. Right. God. So that was the guy that I was, you know, thinking of, but can't trade him if he's not on our team anymore. So. I I'm a little mad that I forgot that this guy existed. I'm not gonna lie, but at the same time. When Josh Donaldson outplays you at 39 years old, whatever he is, right? Uh, that kind of means you're forgettable. Yeah. So I just feel uh, like they, they need a bat and they need a big pitcher. I'd agree with that. If you're going to go all in, right? Otherwise, you're trading Corbin Burns and you're just kind of going with the flow of the way the year is going to go. You're bringing up Mizoroski and just trying to get him him some time and going Tyler with Black Trio, right? Because we got Ash Ashby coming back this year too. Yes, yeah. he'll be back. Um, I don't know. Is he a starter? Is he more your? I think he is kind of what Adrian Hauser is. He can start if you need him to. He could be like a fourth or fifth starter. He can be a bullpen guy, kind of like your long reliever. Especially with now how there is no D or there is the universal DH, you can have a guy like that more. Kind of be a longer reliever. Yep. Which, for what it's worth, I'm surprised that hasn't been more of a role since then. Right. You know. I think the Brewers have done it pretty well. I think the Rays have done it, and that's really been the extent of it, where you have a guy maybe go two, three innings, and another guy go two, three innings, and get to your back into your bullpen. If you know if you're winning, right? Exactly. Um, I just remember how much I hate Adrian Hauser. We're going off the rails with with me being angry because Adrian Hauser just I can't. You know, and we're about to get we're about we're about to get fired up here because I'm going to talk about the Packers here in a second. But just the guy is average, but he can be so much more, and he can be so much worse. It just I I don't understand how a pro athlete can be so like opposite ends of the spectrum any given appearance that they play in, right? right? Like, can you think of any other pro athlete in any other sport, Sean? That is that wildly varying besides maybe like Giannis's free throws or something like that. Hmm. Cause I, I legitimately, I can't think of a guy who on any given night can look like an MVP, but on any given night could get cut. Right. Maybe some backup quarterbacks out there. Maybe. 
Matt Flynn, yeah, Matt Flynn had <laughs> one career game and made a living off of it. Yep. But no, honest to God, I cannot, I cannot think of another guy in any current sport or even in the past, like that is that varying. Maybe, maybe prime Carson Wentz. Where he was still okay, but even then, like he had an almost MVP season until he tore his ACL. Right, and he did it for a whole year. He wasn't, you know, flip flopping around throughout the year. Unless you go Ryan Fitzpatrick, that might be your guy. That might be the guy. Except his played on more teams. Right. <laughs> Which Adrian Hauser probably is online to do so once he becomes kind of gets towards the end of his. Uh, Arbitration eligibility. I could very much see him being like a. Who's the dude that's played in the World Series, like three different World Series for three different teams now? There's a pitcher, I think, but they're also like Jock Peterson, too. Right. But just a guy, Sergio Romo comes to mind. You sign him for a year, you go to the World Series, you win or lose, and then he goes somewhere else, plays for another World Series the next year. I could see Adrian Hauser being that guy for like a fifth starter for some of those teams. Yeah. Like for a his. Houston. Oh, yeah. He'd be a great fit in Houston. Or like a great fit probably in Philadelphia. The Braves. Now I'm mad because I can see this happening and him having like a great year and winning a World Series in Philadelphia. And I mean, he's just sitting here, this mother, you know. Right. Remember how two weeks ago when we were talking about the Brewers and I was saying how. The only situation I'm okay with Corbin Burns getting traded as long as it's at the St. Louis, and then because I know if he goes to St. Louis, he's going to win probably three or four World Series. I'm almost that level of mad about a situation with Adrian Hauser that hasn't happened. So Adrian Howard Hauser is going to go to St. Louis and win some World Series. That might make me more mad than Corbin Burns. <laughs> at least Corbin Burns is good, and like the haul that we would get back for him. Right. Would probably be pretty good. And I could say, hey, this guy we stole from the Cardinals. And no, this is one of our franchise guys around uh, Jackson Churio. I, I I feel like I could say that about that trade. If he goes and if freaking Adrian Hauser goes there and wins a couple World Series with them, I, I, Sean, I can't handle that. I can't. <laughs> I'd be so sad and so depressed and just unworldly angry. I don't think he would unseat Yadier Molina as my most hated baseball player, but it would be damn close. Like, if he's good. If he goes there, you know, and, and wins the World Series but sucks and doesn't pitch at all, I'll be, I'll, I can swallow that. As long as, long as it puts a scoreless outing against the Brewers? I wouldn't even care. I mean, as long as it's not like the NLCS or something like that. If it happens to the NLCS, I'm going to be like the maddest person. But... <laughs> If it happens where it's like, yeah, you know, they beat us in June and he has a good game, but, you know, kind of fades away in obscurity and they keep him on the, the World Series roster or something that like he pitches, he gives up a couple runs and is average or whatever, I can swallow that. But if he goes out and has that, like, hey, I finally reached my potential type year or it happens against us in the playoffs, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to need therapy because <laughs> there's going to be bad outcomes. You can't afford therapy. I can. I'm gonna need my stomach pump because I'm gonna start drinking. <laughs> Gordy's. Gordy's. Yeah, therapy. Gordy's. I'm gonna need Gordy's therapy. All right. Uh, moving on, Sean. We'll just kind of 
retouch on the Packers here. I don't uh, want to. I just... I cannot... I, I will say this. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to be positive about this. Jordan Love, all things considered, played pretty decent against the Buccaneers. He played good enough to probably win that game. If you tell me on Saturday or Monday the Packers offense scores 20 points without Christian Watson and with Aaron Jones playing in kind of a limited role in the second half, I'm okay with that. I think they probably win that game. Because I, I can't imagine Baker Mayfield scoring throw, throwing for four touchdowns. I mean, that that he didn't do that at Oklahoma. And again, I'm not even a Baker Mayfield hater. I, you know, I don't love him the way I used to, but he didn't he didn't do that then. Right. And we made him look like an all pro. He's probably going to make a whole bunch of money after this because he's on a one year deal. He probably just made his next contract off yesterday. Probably yeah. going to win NFC player of the week again. We're going to back to back weeks of that, which he deserves because he tore us apart. Deserves it more than Tommy DeVito does. Right. Tommy DeVito didn't, didn't deserve it at all. But it's just Jordan Love played well. You know, I still I still am going to go on the, the thing of if it's not Christian Watson, you still need that kind of guy. Because even yesterday we kind of saw them, you know, the Buccaneers able to play downhill a little bit more because they didn't have to really honor the deep ball as much. Um, Dontavian Wicks is a great find. I think the Packers still do miss Luke Musgrave a lot. I think, you know, getting the combination of him and Watson back is what's going to make this offense thrive at its most. Um, whether or not that happens this season, or even if we're looking at next season with, you know, some sort of, you know, a year where realistically the only offensive needs, I think in the draft this year would be an offensive line and maybe a running back. You're, I, I think we really got to go heavy on offensive line. Oh, absolutely. Because Meyer, Meyer's got bullied. Every Everybody pretty much got bullied by by that Tampa Bay defense. Yeah, and Grant Vita Bay is a great player. But he's not, you know, he's one guy versus, you know, I, I would say that they have a pretty solid but not great offensive line anymore. Right. I wouldn't put them or defensive line, excuse me. I wouldn't put them where they were when they were winning Super Bowls with Tom Brady. No, but you got to figure Kenny Clark's better than Vita Vea. Kenny Clark had a very quietly good game and has had a very quietly good season. He did, but I'm just I'm just just throwing that out there. I mean, no, I I agree. I I wholeheartedly agree. I'm just that brings me to my next point, and I I had said this earlier in the the game yesterday. You know, we're all happy. You know, Kingsley and Igbari, thank God he missed Rookie's show last week and rehabbed the toe. I texted Rookie that yesterday, and he thought it was really funny because it, I mean, it was. But, um, you know, you get that strip sack after the first possession, which was really bad. And you're sitting there like, yeah, you know. I, I think I've really figured that this defense is so loaded with talent that it performs in spite of Joe Barry. You know, if you look at like the end of last year where they, they went on the false hope rally last year, and you're looking at a team that forced turnovers based on sheer talent. And now that, you know, like Jair is still inactive um, because he, of... The, he deleted all the Packers stuff off his Twitter. 
I saw that was a headline. It turns out it was like he deleted a lot of stuff, and it wasn't just Packer stuff. He still associates with the team. Like still, I think he still has it in his bio. So I don't. don't there's a lot of there's a lot of rumors out there. I I think it's so stupid when people sit there and stare at social media for stuff like that. Um, and even like saying you know that people believe that he's protesting Joe Barry still being the defensive coordinator. Wow. NFL, I don't, I wouldn't blame him. I'm gonna say, <laughs> as a person, I wouldn't blame him. However, I would say that NFL careers are too short to be that petty, right? Like, and you know, even even the Rogers truthers and the conspiracy theorists like Shauna, who say that he's taking, she she's in the other room. That's why I can say it. Oh. But, <laughs> but even the people who say that, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is tanking because he doesn't want to be a Green Bay Packer anymore. No, like no one's gonna, no one does that because the reputation that you kind of develop in the NFL and um, with other teams and with your teammates, people would see through that immediately. No one goes out and doesn't try. Coaches are coaching for either their current job or their next one. Players, even Aaron Rodgers, are playing for their current job or their next job. I mean, he had a, a quote-unquote down year in 2018 and 2019. That's why they go draft Jordan Love. I mean, the writing was on the wall. He, he, His bad, or I'm not going to say bad play because he was still pretty good, but his less-than-standard play at the time led to them picking his replacement and then kind of them forcing him out of town. So... I mean, make of that what you will. That's even to that extent, even if the relationship's not great, like that's that's the reality of the NFL. Right, exactly. And, and all sports for that matter, too. I, I really, I don't think players tank. I don't think coaches tank. I think GMs tank. And even that is subjective at best, because again, they're still doing something right. for their job unless they have like an understanding with the owner that they're going to have to tank for a year, get a couple draft picks and and go. If they have a guaranteed, you know, three, four year job security where an owner is willing to be patient, then yeah, you know, tank a year. Right. You look but, at you look at Houston this year. Right. No, nobody expected them to be where they are in the playoff hunt and all that kind of stuff. Right. So they were expected to be bottom tier again and everybody's gonna walk all over them and here they are. Right. And that just kind of shows that significance of hitting on a young quarterback and being able to build everywhere else. Right. And, you know, you get a couple acquisitions, you hit on some of these draft picks, which I will say, I think offensively speaking, even though they haven't gotten that first round guy, I will say offensively speaking, I think the Packers have hit on a majority of their draft picks as of late, excluding maybe Jay Sternberger and maybe some of the offensive linemen just because they draft those in bulk. But you look at, I mean, when he's healthy, Christian Watson is legitimately good. Romeo Dobbs is legitimately good. Dontavian Wicks, Tucker Musgrave, or Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave are legitimately good guy, you know, good players. They're, they're one league. Tucker, Tucker Musgrave, uh, Luke Craft. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, these are like legitimate, you know, they're proving that these guys are legitimate enough guys. Right. You know, outside of maybe Christian Watson, which is to be determined, I think he proves more value than he gets that shows up on a stat sheet. But either way, I mean, like I said, that's still a pretty big role. Right. And he executes it when he's healthy. 
Um, maybe AJ Dillon, the last kind of questionable offensive draft pick that I was gonna, I was gonna Josiah DeGuara. I was gonna say Josh Myers. I, well, I yeah. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think he's all. Oh, I don't either. I, I'm just talking about skill players right now. No, I, I just get you. just skill players. Maybe Deguara. You know, I think the tight end boom this year between Musgrave, Kraft, and even um, Blake Sims. Ben Sims. Ben Sims. But even Who's, you know. But does Blake Sims sound right? Uh, that's a good question. Okay, never mind. <laughs> um, but no, all, all jokes aside, I, you know, you look at your skill, offensive skill players, Deguara and Sternberger are kind of misses, and even A.J. Dillon's been valuable at times. I, but I, I feel like A.J. Dillon's valuable, but not a second-round pick valuable. I'd agree with that. You, I, I feel like if he was a third, fourth-round pick, we'd we'd be way, way hyped on him. But a second-round pick? You know, position it, you didn't need at the time. It's not really his fault. No, no, but I'm not, no. Combining that with it being in the same draft as taking Jordan Love doesn't help either. Right. Because no matter how you feel about, you know, the situation to move on from Rodgers, and we're still figuring out Jordan Love, which, again, he played good enough yesterday, I think. Um, he played good enough to win that game if you got an okay defense. Yeah, I mean, think about this as a concept, Sean. You know, look back to 20, what, 2011 and even 2016. So two two seasons that had very high expectations, right? 2016, the Packers go to the NFC Championship game against the Falcons, get their doors blown off because the defense is off. And the Falcons were really good that year. 2011, Packers go 15-1. and one. But we're having to put up like 40-some-odd points a game to win those games. The writing was on the wall that if they're going to lose, it's going to be because they can't keep up with the you know, team. Happened against uh, the Chiefs, ironically, in the regular season, the one loss, and then they lose in the divisional round of the Giants. So you keep that all in mind. And that's with, I mean, Aaron Rodgers playing at MVP levels those years. You know, he's, he won the MVP in 11 and two years before that in 14. So keeping that in mind... You know, you look at where he was then, you're expecting a first-year starter, basically, to have to go score every possession and be absolutely perfect with the youngest offense in the NFL at 20, an average of, what, 24 years old or something like that? 23, 24, something like that. Which is nothing short of absurd. Like, the, the expectation to have that around you is maddeningly annoying like I I, I I saw that as a tweet yesterday I can't remember who said it but it really I didn't click until then but that's the expectation for him to win a game like yesterday right but the defense really can't get you a stop they got one one maybe two punts yeah and by that time I think by that time the first punt I want to say it was a they were right they were down 10 at that time and even yesterday I mean, you look at, you can't stop a field, you know, you're even begging for a field goal because you're going down 10 multiple times to that game. Like you're, you're in a, a point where, you know, you, even when you score, you score a touchdown, you throw the one to 
Kraft was the first one. Who had the other one? Jaden Reed. Yes. You get the touchdown on Jaden Reed in the back of the end zone, which was an incredible throw, incredible catch, um, both on the ball skill and the toe tap. Right. You get that second touchdown, you're like, hey, it's a three-point game. All you got to do is hold him to a field goal. You know, you're going to play this bend-don't-break bullshit. You're going to hold him to a field goal. Right. It's a one-score game still, which I know that, you know, I think the Packers end up kicking a field goal later, but even then it's a three-point game and you're still – field goals right. are okay. You still – all you got to do is kick a field goal at the end of the game and tie it. Right. But when you're when you're constantly down 10, you're down two scores, so you got to score. You're in four-down territory when you maybe should only be in three. You know, you really that that sets such a different tone for a game of what you need to do. Yeah, the Packers did not force a a punt. They forced one punt yesterday, and it was at the game was ten to ten in the second quarter. Mm, that's when it was okay. That was the only Tampa Bay punt by the drive summaries I'm showing. Tampa Bay's um, that's second quarter. Where's the third and fourth? Maybe it was two punts. This is laid out really dumb. But you forced, I mean, Tampa Bay scored every possession in the second half. Right. Which is, again, Enough to drive you crazy. Yeah. And it's not it, like they were just kicking field goals. They were scoring touchdowns every drive. Right. The Packers go into the half down 13-10. Three and out the first drive, which, again, should never happen. You should never have a three and out your first drive out of the half. Tampa Bay touchdown. Eight plays, 66 yards, 326. Packers answer back right away. So it's 2017. Tampa Bay goes on another nine-play, 75-yard drive. Packers go down and kick a field goal, 27-20. Tampa Bay, six plays, 75 yards. Packers fumble, then Tampa Bay runs with the game, eight plays, 36 yards. Like, and honestly, I know we touched about it earlier in our in our award shows part of it, but it's just, when, when even Matt LaFleur today in his press conference saying that they're going to stick with Joe Barry through the end of the season, which I think pisses a lot of Packer fans off at this point. You know, playoffs are still a realistic possibility, but they're not an expectation anymore, I don't think. It'd be nice, but at the same time, you're costing draft picks at this point. Right, right now, you've gone from the 7th seed to the 11th seed and the 11th pick in the draft. So... You know, I could I could realistically see them losing to Carolina next week, and making Bryce Young a third straight a, a third straight player of the week. Right, but I sure hope not. Well, I, I say me too. I I could realistically, you know, you look at the three games remaining on the schedule. You're looking at Carolina, Minnesota, uh, Chicago. There's a realistic chance they go zero and three in that. Right, and we were just talk- we were just talking a couple weeks ago that they could go undefeated in that in this three. They got the hard part done, right? Right. Right. Yeah, it's. I think they were winning those games, like I said, in spite of Joe Barry, because they were forcing turnovers. Right. And really, you look at the Detroit game. I think they they had one interception, but 
a lot of that was up front on Jared Goff fumbles, which same thing happens yesterday. If you know, if you get home maybe one or two more times, maybe Baker fumbles one, another one. Right. But it's not like you're even forcing interceptions because you're get they're getting whatever they want. And it's whether it's a lack of communication, which is what Matt LaFleur said, or if it's you know, I don't I'm not saying at this point in the season it should be that the scheme's too hard because that should be the case. But if you're getting to a point where it's a, a combination of scheme and communication and you're not being able to even execute on day one install stuff, which is what LaFleur said today, unless there's not a clear-cut you know, guy that you feel that can competently call a defense for the last three games, why is this guy still here? Right. I mean, look at the – I mean, the Eagles, yeah, they're playing Seattle tonight without Geno, but – they're holding Seattle the three points so far at the start of the second half. Right. They fired their defensive coordinator because it wasn't working. That's what I, you know, you can say, say what you will about loyalty. You can say what you will about whatever it is, but at some point you just have to make decisions to actually try to, you know, if your goal is to make the playoffs or to truthfully win games, you know, I know. I think the biggest concern for Lafleur is he's kind of worried that people are going to worry about him as a head coach because he fired two defensive coordinators. I mean, he did inherit one, so it's not really. I don't think it's really even a fair comparison the way it is. But no, not at all. You have to worry about keeping your job and winning games. You win games with the new defensive coordinator. All is forgiven for firing one. Right. Exactly. I mean, even offensively, the Bills fire their offensive coordinator a couple weeks back, and. You get a whole new life, a whole new look at things. Right, exactly. And they're talked about as, you know, they go beat the doors off, or, you know, they, they squeak by Kansas City, they beat the doors off Dallas yesterday. And it's like, hey, things are working again. So I, I, it just gives the team so much more motivation, so much, everything to go, go out and play for this new guy that, you know, wouldn't get a chance normally to be your defensive coordinator and just go out and have fun with it. Play like well, your again. I'm going to say, because the name that I kind of thought of yesterday, because again, I, I had that question asked me on Twitter. The no. name I, the name, well, yeah, but I'm saying for, in terms of like an in-house, because you're going to only get an in-house guy for interim. Right. But if you're looking for a guy like an interim, uh, Greg Williams is the passing game coordinator, which I believe he's also the D back coach. That's where you really need to spark the most, I feel like. I mean, not that, you know, you kind of have, you know your talent better than anybody else. If your pass rush is doing what they need to do, which I would say, as a whole, yesterday that they were getting hurries. Right. They didn't against the Giants, but that's, I, you know, that was mostly scheme. But if you're getting guys up front getting hurries, why not get that passing game coordinator who knows these players in and out better than the defensive coordinator, the head coach, whatever, and put them in positions to make plays for you. Because they're gonna, that's a group that probably has the, you know, let's say what it is. So you have Jair Alexander, who's probably one of the loudest guys on the team, who is the energy of that defense. Right. And when Jair's healthy, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say full stop, I don't think he's faking this injury or anything like that because of selfish reasons. I think he's truthfully that the Packers, and I think Matt LaFleur said it today, that they just underestimated the injury. Right. And he was trying to play through it and just, wasn't able to pass game day tests. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's practicing, but he's playing through stuff he probably shouldn't. 
Yeah. Because he wants to be out there, and it ends up being a detriment to his own body. Yeah. But, you know, with that in mind, if that's if that's the case, I mean, you get a, a fired-up Jair Alexander for three games, that's a dangerous defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you kind of start wondering, like, what happens if they still have Rasul Douglas because how good of a year he's having in, in Buffalo, but... You know, you really can't go back and change that. It made sense at the time. Right. But, you know, you kind of look at that as an option. Would would it be that much of a difference? I, I don't, you don't know. It's it's that veteran presence guy, but it's also if Jair plays these games, I think these games go a little bit different too. Oh, absolutely. So, you look at it that way? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. 100%. And I think... I think the guy that's struggling the most this year is Devondre Campbell. You know, I <laughs> saw there, there was a lot of hate on Devondre Campbell yesterday. I'm going to add, he was put in a shit position a lot yesterday. Oh, right. And, you know, you he's, he's probably a step slower than he was last year, a half step slower than he was last year and the year before that. But when you're put in positions basically to fit... Devondre Camp, there's not a linebacker, middle linebacker in the world that's going to match up with Chris Godwin. Like no. that's just that's just the reality of the situation. I mean, yeah, he almost had a pick yesterday. Should have had a pick. Should have had a pick yesterday, but you know, there that's just that's not a matchup for success. No. Like we're talking about a defensive coordinator who has schemed Preston Smith be covering Devon Day Adams, and you know that's just one that I can think of. I mean, jokes aside, because you know he. He let the completion, and he did have a pass breakup against some other high-profile receiver. But when that's part of your scheme, where you're putting Preston Smith into coverage or Devondre Campbell against one of the faster receivers in the game, and you know letting Mike Evans get behind you, you're not going to win games. No, and that's not the player's fault. No, it's just a struggle. But and we just we just need to change. We do. So, Sean, with that in mind, let's wrap this bad boy up. Um, Packers, Panthers, I don't believe the line is out for that game. Let me just double check. Um, I got to imagine for Green Bay is going to be favored just because of how, as a whole, bad the Panthers are. But as of right now, actually, that line is out. So, Packers are by four and a half right now. Going into Carolina on Christmas Eve. Noon game Christmas Eve. What are you thinking? I think they gotta get a gotta get a win here. You know, I, I do have to agree. I think they do get the job done. I don't I'm think admi- but what'd you say? I don't think it's pretty, but I think Oh hundred percent agree. I was literally just gonna say it's gonna be ugly. I just have a feeling unless this team is play again playing with some hatred some spite um I, I fully expect that to be the case where it's gonna be ugly at times bryce young's gonna look probably way too good yeah because for whatever reason any sort of mobile quarterback just happens to feast on green bay even if they're not they've been feasting on green bay yeah pretty much we turn we turn immobile quarterbacks mobile right but like I said, I think that's where we're we're kind of at with uh, this season. And 
I think the offense very realistically could play very well again. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. I don't. I don't think like we we talked about. I don't think the offense is the issue. I mean, it probably it was at the beginning of the season. Sure. But now I don't think the offense is the issue. I th- I think the team is better built for playing with a little bit of a lead. Oh, absolutely. Rather than playing from behind, but. Well, and just real quick on that, because this is something that I didn't really even think about until you just said it. So I'm going to give you credit for this. Does that make you kind of think of why the Packers, what kind of, I mean, the last few weeks they've been starting with the ball and yeah, it didn't really work out against the Giants. They did go down the field, but they ended up not being able to punch it in. But does that kind of make you, what's that? They go down, down the field for the Bucks for the first drive too? Yeah. They yeah. ended up going for it on fourth down, missed it. Got the strip sack and score. Right. So, I mean, all, all intents and purposes, they score on the first drive, even though they didn't technically. But with that in mind, I mean, are you a little surprised that they didn't go that route yesterday when, you know, yeah, the defense can't stop anybody, but at least you're playing tied with an op- a position to go up early? Or do they, do they really truly value the opportunity to possibly double up at the end of a half, which isn't even guaranteed? I, I feel like it was it was nice to see them go forward on fourth there. To start oh, with. absolutely. I, Just, I don't hate that decision at all. I mean, because what do they got to lose at this point, really? Right. So no, that's the decision to go for. It's not not the problem. I'm I'm asking if you're puzzled by you know they win the toss and elected defer yesterday. They did win the toss yesterday. Are you? Given the success they've had early in games and trying to play with the lead early, yeah, I, I could take it early, but I don't know. It's one of those things where I, I feel like if we would have started with the ball, would we have would we have done stuff different? I I feel like Matt Lafleur's first fifth, what is it, fifteen plays that he that they script all the time. I feel like sure. those first fifteen plays are always good. Sure, but. I don't know. I don't think it really changes the game much kind of thing. I gotcha. Because once again, the defense actually has to stop the other team. Yeah, and that's few and far between at this point. Because what did they put up? 24 in the second half? The Bucs? 13, 27, 14. No. 24, 30. Yeah, right, you're right. My math was off. You went to jail it. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm a comm major. <laughs> I got two things going against me. You said it, I didn't. Yeah, I know. All right, Sean, let's put a bow on this thing. Bar of the week, I kind of got one prepared. Have not been there yet, but have meant to, and I think it's a cool concept for a bar. Here in Green Bay, it's called R&D House Divided, and that is a bar. It's on University Ave in Green Bay. Um... One of the owners is a Packers fan, one's a Bears fan. So it's like almost split, like in, in the middle. Like there's even like a little bridge. It has half of its green and gold, half of its uh, navy and orange. Um, but the whole it's a sports bar that with that interesting theme. Um, some of the reviews here, even from a couple months ago, such a hidden gem, five-star review. Everything on the menu has been fantastic, and the friendly waitresses slash bartenders just make the experience even better. Lunches serve fast, and the portions are really big, definitely worth it. Uh, overall, 4.3 stars on Google. 
Um, trying to think, good, con cool concept. One here visiting from Chicago. Uh, food was typical bar food, but the service was good and it was fast and professional and friendly. Um, so yeah, I, as a, like I said, it's a really cool concept. Haven't gotten out there, uh, but definitely a place that I have on my list here in Green Bay to check out. Uh, with that, Sean, we just have to go through what we are rooting for, really, through the rest of the year, um, Christmas and New Year's aside. And I guess I'm going to ask you one, and we did our favorite memory of the year. But if you had to choose a favorite memory or two from the calendar year, what do you got for us? Loaded question, I know, but I'm going to I'm going to make you do it. Probably getting married. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go there. So that was my favorite memory of the year, just being able to spend the day with my wife and getting to marry my wife and having all my close friends, family all there just to support everything was the coolest experience of the year for me. I lobbed that one up to you. I was trying to get that one in for you. Um, anything else beyond that? No. Do you want to mention? No. Not yet, at least. Fair enough. All right, and then what are you rooting for for the rest of the year here, Sean? Just rooting for Christmas. I'm hoping, hoping everything goes good for Christmas. That's all. What's on your wish list, Sean? What's on the number one? What's your uh, Christmas wish list? Sure, I have no idea. <laughs> I usually what's just... Sean, what is Sean asking Santa for this year? I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> New house. There we go. Let's go. A house. All right. That's a solid one. That's a pretty important thing. <laughs> All right. Um, what were the questions? What did I even ask you? Your your favorite memory of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to say it was a pretty damn good year as a whole. I, you know, I know a lot of people not being able to say the same, but I can I can truly say uh, blessed to be surrounded by so many awesome people, whether it be my podcast hosts, including my fiance and my best friends. Um, so that's great. I got to see my brothers with my biological and my non-biological get married this year and stand by them. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to lob that up. Uh, you know, pretty easy one here. I'm slam dunking that one. Um, adding in, getting to call a state championship game was awesome. I mean, that's one that I'll, I won't forget. Getting to cover two state championships uh, one with, you know, with a paid in, in obligation, but one just getting to cover a state championship with my fiance for a basketball game where I converted her from not being wanting to go to can't wait till next year. So um, those probably the big highlights of the year. Um, and very excited for 2024, see what that's going to bring. And uh, from a root four for the rest of the year, uh, I'm just going to say, you know, I do have another high school basketball game, I think, before the end of the year. Uh, so, you know, just getting that opportunity to kind of get back in that. I had one on Friday night, which was, it was fun. You know, I, I, I don't know, I think I told you this. The game started off on a 21-0 run by Sevastopol. In that six, it was six minutes, 21 seconds for the first point for Gibraltar. And uh, in that 6-21, Sevastopol allowed two shot attempts. So it wasn't even like they were missing. It's, they weren't even getting shots because of how good Sebastopol's defense is. Um, so just a couple more opportunities there and just hoping the Packers don't piss me off, you know? Like, that's that's where we're at right now, right? Like, 
that's just not even nervous, just annoyed right. by the possibility of how Sunday could go. Um, so, then, so I'm going to ask you the same question. What's on your wish list from Santa this year? Oh, uh, my wish list from Santa. Can I say cash? Can I just say cash? No. Okay. Um, you know, honestly, I'm kind of hoping for some podcast stuff. Some stuff that we can set up a little bit more of a video studio in here so we can actually kind of get it to that next step. You know, I, I feel so douchey saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway, so bear with me here. But on my uh, my wish list, I kind of have one of those uh, tri- like phone tripods that also has like the ring light. Because I think that's going to help us out a lot. I actually think that's going to, you know, the tripod's the most important part of that. Like, I think the ring light's kind of stupid, but you can't find a, tri- a phone tripod really without one nowadays. I refuse to buy anything called the selfie stick, even if even if it is a tripod built into. Just I can't do it. So that's it's it's one or the other, and I think I'm gonna pick the lesser of two evils. There you go. Um, so that's what's on my my wish list. I don't really have, I don't have a house on there. I, I'm really enjoying uh, Studio Two or Studio Three for uh, Roof for Wisconsin show. Studio One was at Ramsey's house. Oh, I was gonna- two. Studio 2 was the old place, and now we're in Studio 3. So Studio 3 has been really good to us. Um, so n- no real aspirations for anything beyond that. Um, just kind of hoping, you know, it's cliche as it is, just kind of hoping for a happy, healthy New Year from in Christmas and New Year from uh, getting to see much family. And this whole being an uncle thing, man, this, these kids, they grow up way too damn fast. And... uh being to spend some time with them at Christmas is always great. Like that's 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 kind of where you know I can truthfully say like that's where I'm at in life right now. Where it's like yeah, like let's I, I'd rather see the kids open their shit than what I get, you know. Great, hundred percent. Also, if people want to sponsor the podcast, by all means, take a sponsorship. So that's that's my other my other ask out of my wish list. Someone to sponsor this thing. Selfish speaking, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's episode 139. For Dylan, who joined us earlier, Shauna, who technically joined us earlier, Ramsey and Justin, who weren't here this week, I'm Eric, that's Sean. Episode 139 of the books, we're out. See ya. Merry Christmas. Yeah.